Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Municipalities across Northumberland County struggle to deal with short-term rentals. Those are the rental properties often associated with Airbnb or Verbo online platforms. For some, the ability to rent a space, either a room or a house, is a great source of income. Others see it as a great boost for tourism. It can be a stimulant for the local economy. Then there are others who see it differently. There are noise issues, parking problems, and a host of other negatives. Olnwick Haldeman Township Council is the latest to wrestle with its attempts to control short-term rentals. An ad hoc committee recently brought forward some changes to a bylaw passed in 2022. These tweaks have a group of operators in the Business Association very concerned. On today's show, you will hear those concerns. Two representatives of the group will dive into the issues to see if a balance can be found. They will give their perspective on how it is playing out in the township before Council makes its decision later this month. I'm so pleased to have with me today Jacqueline Pennington, a representative of the Alnwick Haldeman Business Owners Association, and Nicole Sterling, someone who operates a short-term rental in Alnwick Haldeman. Thank you so much for joining. Consider this. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Let's start with the basics. How do you define a short-term rental? Let's start with you, Nicole. A short-term rental is um, a apartment or a space that you can rent for under three-month period of time. Uh, it can be within your home, or it can be a separate building on your property, Jacqueline, or a full house. Okay, Jacqueline, can would you like to add anything to that? I think that's fairly similar. I think it offers um, a short-term rental is essentially something that is under a period of time of approximately three to six months. All right, then, Jacqueline, maybe you can explain to us, is it different than, say, going to a resort or renting a cabin for a week or going to a hotel? How is it different? I think so. Uh, Short-term rentals offer a different type of um, accommodation. So a lot of people will use, for example, short-term rentals in between housing uh, if they're in the area for local work. And then there's a large vacation component. So there's a lot of really amazing examples in the community of, you know, A-frame houses, uh, tiny homes are very popular. So again, they offer something a little bit more eclectic uh, and uh, interesting for the people that are using them to stay at. Now, Nicole, are there any other variations that could be considered a short-term rental? Uh, Jacqueline mentioned a couple things right there, but um, you know, we often think of somebody renting, as you said, an apartment or somebody's additional investment property. But what about other things? Are there other uh, types of things that 
maybe it would be used for uh, a short-term rental. Absolutely, yes. Um, uh, there are in our township um, different uh, types of short-term rentals. For example, I run uh, Shepherd's Hut, which is a tiny house. It's off-grid. Uh, it's set in a natural uh, forest by a creek. Um, uh, there's no electricity, no water, uh, no bathroom. There's an outhouse outside. Uh, I have friends that run prospect tents or yurts. Uh, these are all different types of short-term experiences that um, tourists like to come for, and they're very popular, very busy. Now, I understand you need a license to do this. Jacqueline, could you tell us how that works and how much it costs? Yes, actually, so that's a bit more of Nicole's area of expertise, so I will certainly defer to her on that, but uh, currently speaking, the cost of the basic licensing at this point in time uh, is about $750, as well as there's a number of other costs related that, to that in order to have inspections and um, septic inspections, fire inspections on the property as well, but I'm sure Nicole can elaborate on some of the additional costs associated with it. That was going to be my next question. Nicole, tell us about these additional costs. Well, you have to take into consideration a cleaning of the um, the rentals, uh, water, um, if you have extra towels, uh, you need to buy toilet paper. Um, but the the fee is the uh, most substantial uh, cost, the seven hundred and fifty dollars licensing fee. Um, and that just came into effect in May of twenty twenty two. Now, before that, there was uh, a bylaw in the township, and it, it defined short-term rentals um, as only being allowed under a certain zoning. This was before it was amended in 2022, and it talked about being in areas of general commercial and hamlet commercial. Can you, That's can you tell me, or can you give me some examples of places where that would have applied? So places in Alnwick Haldeman that fall in that zoning that would have had a short-term rental? Um, I, I can answer that. Uh, commercial zoning where houses are regularly not uh, in place, uh, the MRF, so the recycling facility, or where the arena is in Grafton. So basically when they change the zoning to allow short-term rentals, um, basically what they did is prohibit any new short-term rentals from uh, starting up in, in the future. Only the ones that were there before 2022 of May, May 2022, uh, would have been grandfathered in and allowed to, to carry on um, operating. Uh, so basically what they didn't do, they didn't ban short-term rentals per se, but they banned them in all the zonings where housing is permitted and where people could operate short-term rentals. Jacqueline, short-term rentals are often associated with Airbnb, a company that provides an online platform for people to advertise and book short-term rentals. Now there's Verbo. There's another one I think that's called Capterra. Um, it's now quite competitive. Mm -hmm. What is the attraction of short-term rentals for owners? Mm -hmm. 
So for short-term rentals, they're used in a lot of different ways. Um, from my experience, they're actually primarily used to assist both often either widows, divorcees, single women, retirees, uh, young individuals in terms of making home ownership more affordable um, in the sense in terms of helping to offset the carrying cost of their existing residence. So from my personal involvement in research, I would say that's certainly the majority of how people use short-term rentals within our community. Um, of course, there are people who will buy a property specifically just to use it as a short-term residence, but our experience is specifically in Alna Kaldeman, the majority are owner-operated of individuals that own the house and are essentially very much like Nicole, uh, utilizing it in terms of supplementing uh, their existing uh, you know, mortgage payments and income from their own personal residence. Nicole, what about from a user's perspective? What what's the associate what's the associated advantages from a, a user's perspective? So, for example, we travel around the world and we always uh, look to rent an Airbnb or a Verbo uh, from those two platforms. Uh, we find that um, when we do that, in as opposed to staying in a hotel or a resort. Uh, we just experience a different type of um, holiday, a different type of experience. Um, so we'll get to know the local life, we'll meet local people, we'll stay in, in an area where locals live. So you get to, to discover what they eat, how they speak, um, what they do, um, and you get to participate in local um, experiences. Uh, and when people come here, that's what we try to offer them. So for example, if they rent uh, ours for two nights, we always have a little booklet or it's on also the platform, the Airbnb platform. It's like a, a guidebook to show them where they can go eat, where they can go shop, where the farm shops are. So this is a great way to um, get the local businesses involved in what we are offering. Uh, so we send them to the little restaurant, um, and then the, where they can get pizza, where they can get fresh vegetables, et cetera. So it's just a different experience as opposed to going to a hotel and staying in a room and going to the restaurant downstairs. It sounds to me a lot like that's the economic benefit then to the to the township when you're describing that. Am I correct in that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, now I'll, I'll get you both to answer this, but... Um, I'll start with Jacqueline. Normally, we don't hear much about short-term rentals unless there is a problem. Mm -hmm. So in mm -hmm. 2019, there was a young woman in Toronto who tossed a chair from a balcony. And then there has been also stories in the media about massive parties that go on. Can either of you, and I'll, again, I'll start with Jacqueline, can either of you provide anecdotal evidence of concerns like this being raised in Alnwick Haldeman specifically? Yeah, so there actually was some research done on that, and I know Nicole can add to this as well. It was actually very little. So in terms of, of there's approximately 50 plus known short-term rentals within the township. Over the past two years, there was only five of those that were identified as having bylaw complaints specifically to do with noise violations. So again, I think like always, we always hear the horror stories, but it's actually been very, very few isolated incidences and really only to about three to five in total of the over 50 short-term rentals within the township at this moment. Nicole, would you like to add anything to that? Yes, yeah. So of the five complaints against short-term rentals, two of the properties 
had multiple uh, complaints. So for example, um, there was 12 complaints against one and 14 complaints against the other. Both these properties were on Lakeshore um, residential areas and they were uh, non-owner occupied. So the owner was not on site at the time. Uh, most of these complaints were noise or um, disruption, trespassing. Uh, a lot of the complaints are parking complaints um, or fireworks or on fires, et cetera. So of the, of like Jacqueline said, of the 50 known short-term rentals, there's basically just two that have been um, in, in the complaint department that have had complaint against them. With that in mind though, I mean, if, if you're a resident in that area, um, obviously that's very annoying. I mean, well, it only may be two. So how, how do we address that then? What would be your solution? I'll start with Nicole. Why don't you offer a solution then I'll ask Jacqueline. So we need to deal with the, the, the bad apples. You know, we need to find a way to, to um, deal with them so that all the good ones can just function and just go on with the, what we're doing. Because what we're doing is, is wonderful. I think it's a bylaw um, issue. So if it's a noise complaint uh, and there's a complaint against noise bylaw, so the, the bylaw officers needs to deal with that straight away and try to um, eradicate the problem. Uh, is it, we're, and this is what we're trying to figure out, how to deal with the bad apples. Is it fines? Um, but then we're thinking, well, these people are, are, are they keep doing it. They will uh, just pay the fine and, and carry on doing what they're doing. So it's, it's just figuring it out a way to deal with the bad apples, finding a way to do that. Jacqueline, is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I certainly agree. And, and I'd like to say in terms of I firmly believe everyone has the right to quiet enjoyment of their own home. So I don't think anyone I know is is in any way, shape or form suggesting that what's happened at those two particular problems is OK, because it's not. Mm -hmm. But I think really what it comes down to is proper of bylaw enforcement. We already mm -hmm. have bylaws and on the Calderman that prohibit uh, noise issues, as well as we have bylaws around uh, campfires and fireworks as well. So, you know, we have the existing framework in place to deal with those problems, but we do have an issue in terms of obviously the fines aren't high enough or the bylaws are not being, you know, appropriately um, and implemented. So I think for me, the question is, how is an all right ban um, essentially punishing everyone um, and more bylaws going to help or benefit fix this issue when the existing bylaws obviously aren't even being implemented with these two problem situations? Could you maybe explain why the municipality just doesn't revoke their license uh, when there's been X number of complaints? Could either of you provide an explanation for that? Um, up until May 20, uh, 2022, there was no bylaw for short-term rentals. There was no licensing in place. Um, so this has just come into effect since the complaints have been uh, put out. And I, you know, we do feel for the neighbors of these bad STRs, but um, it, it has only been put into place since May 2022. Well, let's let's start talking about that now, because I'd like to sort of map the journey of how we got to this situation that we're in. And mm -hmm. so uh, 
We know that th there was a review of the short-term rental bylaw in 2022. Um, yep. In the proposed bylaw, there was a grocery list of prohibited areas or zones that were uh, not in the earlier version. Can either one of you tell me a bit about why it was necessary to create that list of prohibited zones and some other changes that took place now? Nicole, you've already alluded to the fact that there was a, a licensing fee and there were some bylaws, but explain this grocery list of zoning changes that took place in 2022. So I, I, I think basically um, what it is, is that the, the, the township, the council, cannot ban short-term rentals outright. So what they did, instead of banning them outright, they just changed the zoning in, in where they would be allowed to operate. Um, so we have in our township rural, we have agricultural zoning, rural residential, hamlet residential, shoreline residential, um, limited service residential, which is private roads. And then we have general commercial, hamlet commercial, recreation of commercial and development um, and other commercial zones. So what they did is they, they decided to only allow uh, short-term rentals to operate in the general commercial areas, hamlet commercial areas and recreation commercial areas, um, which basically what they've done is they banned short-term rentals from from operating because no one can own a house there or an apartment or build a shepherd's hut or a yurt. It's it, their commercial zones. So basically what they did is they didn't ban them outright, um, but they just took away all the zones where they could operate. <laughs> Another review has just taken place by an ad hoc committee. Can you describe mm -hmm. what are the proposed changes from this ad hoc committee? Okay, so we we would like the, the zoning to open up um, and we propose that um, short term rentals be allowed in all zones uh, in our township, because if you uh, take away, say, for example, shoreline residential, it's a little discriminating against people who own houses on a lake and if tourists come to this area, of course they want to be on a lake. Um, and again, it doesn't mean if you have a short-term rental on a lake shore property that you are going to have massive parties and, and create lots of noise. And again, that comes down to a different bylaw. Uh, we were also trying to um, suggest that the licensing fee be lowered. Um, we thought that $750 uh, per year annually uh, is a little too high because a lot of these short-term rentals are seasonal. So if you uh, operate from June to September, uh, you maybe rent your short, for example, ours, we rented out maybe three, four nights a week. Um, it would take me three weeks to, to be able to afford $750. So we, we thought that the fee was, was too high. Um, and there was a lot of um, inspections that were needed, and we agreed with that. We do we do agree with licensing uh, or registration, um, but we just were, were wanting them to to. It was a bit aggressive the bylaw. We want them to gentle it a little bit. So if if I, I could ask, oh. of course, I, I was just going to say, and I think that's the main thing to really kind of 
you know, explain it. They've created so many restrictions as to where they can be. They can only really be within a, the downtown village stretch of all Caldwin. So essentially the gas station, I guess, can have a short-term rental uh, and the MRF can have a short-term rental. And that really is honestly it. So what they did is instead of coming out and saying, we can't ban it because they cannot do that, they've effectively said, we will grandfather what's in existence, but ban anything from coming into the township in terms of someone opening up an STR, unless essentially you're within about less than a half a kilometer strip of the downtown. Um, the other thing to add to that on the restriction side of it is it is more restrictive to have a STR uh, than it is on a large scale commercial property. So for example, they have to have annual you know, septic inspections, even a restaurant, even an inn, even St. Anne's Spa, doesn't have those requirements. So what they have done, unfortunately, is they have created one of the most, if not the most restricted uh, STR uh, bylaw and zoning provisions within the entire province of Ontario is what has been done at this point. I'd like to go back and talk about a couple of points. Nicole, you, you mentioned about the fees, but earlier yeah. we were talking about bylaw and bylaw enforcement. So there are additional costs to the municipality to patrol this kind of thing. Do you not right. see the fees as being some sort of way that helps offset those costs so that it's the short-term people, short-term rental people that are bearing the burden of, of the additional costs rather than every taxpayer? Does that Absolutely. logic make any sense? Well, so, so they broke down the fee um, of $750, uh, giving, you know, breaking down the fee for uh, fire inspections, building inspection, administration time, uh, and bylaw enforcement. And so basically um, the fee, the 700 fee recognizes that not all STRs will have bylaw complaints, but there, there is a money available then with everybody paying the $750 um, to cover the costs associated with investing, if investigating the, the complaints. So for the 51, people and there's two properties that are complained against so we all have to take the brunt and and cover all the costs of of the bylaw officer going and you know enforcing these bylaws so it's a little harsh on on people that are running uh, effective and good STRs. Jacqueline one of the points that you raised is the restrictive nature of the zoning and it making it impossible really for anybody new to come into the market. What is the municipality supposed to do then in the case? I mean, we talk about right now, there's only so many, what is it, 50 or so that are, are operating. Mm -hmm. But being such a beautiful area, tourism being so important and you know, people seeing the economic advantages of doing this, how do you address the concern that all of a sudden people are just going to come in, start buying all kinds of properties, putting them on Airbnb, and, and this becoming an exploding business within the municipality that could easily get out of control, also impacting things like affordability, uh, driving housing prices through the roof, um, all those other concerns that, that we hear about so often. Can you maybe address those? Of course. Um, so in terms of, I think that is a valid concern. I do think, however, given how long short-term rentals have been operating in Northumberland with very, very little issues 
And we haven't seen that significant growth like large tourism communities. So again, you know, our neighbors to the east, I think we all know Prince Edward County has certainly had that problem. Uh, Prince Edward County is one of the largest tourism winery regions in the province. So again, I think we're, we're really dealing with a very different circumstance. And a lot of other municipalities do have bylaws in place to help with that that are less restrictive than all Nick Haldeman's. On the affordable housing issue, if you don't mind me addressing that, because I do think that there is some misinformation out there that, you know, the narrative has been, you know, if we have short term rentals, that's going to take away from long term rentals and create affordable housing issues. When you look at the actual numbers of those 50 or so units um, that are out there currently, the vast majority of them are owner occupied in which very much like Nicole, it is either a room or a tiny house or a residence they are already using full time. So these are not residences, especially when they're seasonal, that are going to be added to the long term rental stock, full stop. People are not regularly buying units in Alnick Haldeman to use for the purpose of renting. Uh, I personally work in real estate. I deal with this every single day. I meet a lot of people in terms of and what drives them to buy real estate in Northumberland. And we are not a region that is a sought after region to buy a property for short term rental. Hawarthas, Prince Edward County, all of these major tourism hubs are, we are not one of them. The other thing I just want to speak about, because I think the affordable housing issue on this is very important, is that when we have situations in which we have an individual who maybe, and examples are, they've just gotten a divorce, so they can't yet afford to buy a house. They need a place to stay. They need a safe home for their children. Short-term housing offers that, and it ensures that they're not taking away from long-term housing stock. Short-term housing was also used readily available when the Ukrainian uh, families came to our community and needed a place to be. The last point I do want to make on that, because I think it's an important one, is what my husband and I have been directly impacted by. We own a number, number of properties in the area that we do use as affordable long-term rentals. And what we intended to do was to use one of our properties that's actually next door to our own home so we could easily watch, monitor it, ensure that no one was disturbed as a short-term rental to help supplement keeping our long-term rentals affordable. We just moved someone into one of our rentals that is an $1,100 a month in Coburg, all-inclusive, and has just been fully renovated. The only way I can afford as a homeowner and a landlord to keep that housing stock affordable for the people that need it in the community is to help get other income to supplement that. And that's why this overly restrictive bylaw has actually created more of an issue in that regard. Nicole, you sat on this ad hoc committee. Uh, was there any public consultations that took place? Uh, not particularly, no. Um, we formed the committee uh, just prior to, um, well, our own personal committee, prior to the council forming the uh, ad hoc committee. Um, we had five meetings with the council, uh, with this ad hoc committee. Uh, I'm not sure. We, we voted on a few things on the zoning bylaw. We voted on the fee. So we're waiting for the final uh, decision from the council on um, how the bylaw will go. This bylaw was not 
created by us, but it was meant to, we were meant to change the bylaw, add to it, take things away. So that's what we were working on um, with this ad hoc committee. So just so I'm clear, the committee that mm -hmm. you sit on, it's yes. the one that is sanctioned by council that was charged with reviewing the bylaw. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And is there any other committee, uh, informal or formal, that you've been sitting on that has been doing advocacy or anything like that? N not formal, no. Okay. We have a little group, but in the backgrounds, and it's very informal. All right. Did the ad hoc committee talk to anybody in the short-term rental property owners? Uh, any Anyone besides yourself uh, were brought in and, and consulted as part of this process? Uh, there was one other um, woman on the ad hoc committee who was a future STR uh, operator, um, but with the new bylaw was not going to be able to, to move forward with, with her plans. Um, the committee was mostly formed of people that really didn't have anything to do with STRs or people who were on the other side and were suffering from the bad apples. They were the ones that were on, you know, next door neighbors of the noise complaints, etc. So it was, it wasn't very well balanced. <laughs> Jacqueline, was mm -hmm. the uh, business association brought in and consulted on any of this? No. So what I will say, unfortunately, is I do know a number of people within the business community that had applied to be on that ad hoc committee mm -hmm. and were not selected. So unfortunately, the way in which the selection process um, from the municipality is that it was uh, unfortunately very one-sided. As Nicole referred to, there was only one person on the committee who actually had an STR of, I think, what is there, probably about eight to 10 people in the committee? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's 10 people, only one actually operated an STR and one had intended to. So again, there was very little consultation, if any, with the business community on the economic impacts of their decisions. I'm gonna start with Nicole. What is at the heart of all this really? What is really the make or break on this issue in your mind? So really the issue is as property owners and taxpayers of this township, and again, I'm going to take myself, I've been here for 27 years. I've lived in this township for 27 years. We just feel, or I just feel that they're taking away my rights. If I want to run a small business within my home, I feel like they're not permitting me to do that. Um, I have a large property. And if someone's coming to tell me what I can and cannot do on my property, I don't agree with that. Uh, we do have other small businesses in this township that are home run. We have hairdressers, we have massage therapists, uh, we have mechanics that uh, fix cars in their garage, people that fix furniture in their workshop, uh, people build birdhouses and etc. So why are we any different to those uh, home run businesses in this small town and why do we have such aggressive bylaw and rules and regulations coming at us, um, you know, to, and, and inspections and et cetera, when um, all the other small businesses don't. And we don't want this to turn once they 
get this bylaw done and we have all these restrictions, where are they going next? Are they going to go after the hairdresser and the massage therapist and the mechanic? Is that where they're going next? That, that is my problem. They're taking away our freedom um, and our right as property owners and taxpayers to, to do what we want within our property. And, and we're not bothering anybody. If you, you think about it, the um, township doesn't even know how many STRs are operating in this township. And the reason they don't know how many is because there have been no complaints again against us. We're not harming anyone. Uh, we're just living our life and, and you know, we're offering people um, a place to stay for a short period of time. For example, uh, I know a family whose house burnt down and um, they had nowhere to go. They wanted to stay within the township so that their children could go to the same school. So they found a short-term rental and they stayed there until they could sort uh, their new property out, um, et cetera. So the children got to stay at the same school and they had the same friends, et cetera. Uh, I don't know if you remember the big storm we had at Christmas time uh, when the power went out and the whole town was, was out of Wi-Fi and power. And so we had crews of hydro people and we had a train crash as well. So the CN crews were all here. They had nowhere to stay. So we found these short-term rentals and we were able to find spots for them to spend the night. Um, the local restaurant, the Lassen Ladle opened up its doors and we fed them. And so short-term rentals came in handy on that night. Um, many, many times where the 401 is, is shut down, usually between Brighton and Coburg, uh, people come off the 401 in a snowstorm and they start Googling short-term rentals. So pop, pop up the short-term rentals and there they have a nice bed to sleep for at night safely with their children. So all these stories that we've had, um, it's not just about partying and, you know, having fun and noise. There are rules that, you know, you can only have two people per bedroom that you are renting. So we just need to follow those those guidelines, and and you know, it sh I don't see why there is such aggressive bylaw. Jacqueline, how do we how do we find a balance in all of this? What what would you propose? I think balance is key. I think that really is, and I think in terms of unfortunately what's happened, you know, um, and I go back to I would like to kind of bring up that in 2018, Alna Calderman entered into an economic development plan. And the township themselves identified that the two driving factors, the two main things in this community of priorities in terms of economic development was tourism and supporting small business. And what surprises me as a small business owner in this community, as a young mom trying to support my family and grow my business is they are coming in with one of the most restrictive bylaws in the entire province um, to really prevent growing economic uh, agribusinesses in the community as well as tourism. And to Nicole's po point, there is balance. There are amazing property owners that are running these very responsibly that are the vast majority of property owners. And I think that's what we need to focus on is that yes, we're okay with licensing. There should be bylaws that prevent noise and parking issues and, you know, cause friction for neighbors and, you know, make their lives not enjoyable living in their own homes, but we shouldn't have an all right ban that punishes good people living in our community who are just trying to get by and support their families. Nicole, what's next steps? 
Well, we have, uh, the council has two meetings coming up, one on the 16th of May and the next one on the 23rd. I believe the 23rd of May uh, meeting is where the council will um, make their decision on how the new bylaw will, what it will look like. Uh, we want people to come to these meetings. We want bodies in the room uh, so that the council can see how much support we have. Um, that's how the bylaw in May 2022 came about, um, really. They were trying to rush to get it done before the May 2-4 weekend. Uh, they had all these angry people in the room at that time. Um, so that's where they just said, okay, no more STRs. Uh, so what we want to do, we want to do the opposite effect. We want people there in the room supporting us, um, you know, just being there, all the maybe businesses uh, that are, are going to be um, benefiting from tourism here. We, we want to show that we're a force and we are, um, we want that support in the room at the time. So the 16th and the 23rd of May, uh, the next two council meetings. Jacqueline Pennington, Nicole Sterling, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank that was Jacqueline Pennington, representing the Alnwick Haldeman Business Owners Association, and Nicole Sterling, who operates a short-term rental. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.